Hi everyone and welcome to 10 out of 10 with Rebecca Mend, the podcast hosted by me and my bestie, Gina. Hello. <laughs> Hi babes, how are you? I'm good. How are, I'm so, I'm really loving it. I'm loving seeing your face. We see each other it's all the time great. now. Outside of our voice notes screaming at each other. It's nice to see you. Um, great to see you too. After spending the entire first episode taking the mick out of Michael McIntyre's dishwasher, we're still in. I feel here, so I'm, I'm really, really excited about that. Do you know what? I feel like I've been watching Netflix more because of this now, yeah. and it feels better because it feels like they are paying me to watch Netflix. That's the, and that's, the that's been the dream for the longest time. It is amazing to be able to say that, like, you watch Netflix, part of your job. I also get to now chat about it with my friends. Really random. What made you subscribe to Netflix? Because I remember exactly what mine was. And when I say subscribe, I mean use the friends. But now I've got my own. <laughs> Okay, this is a secret. This is I a secret you're going to say on the podcast. Yeah, well, I have told my colleagues. I, I hope this is. Oh, I don't know. We'll find out later. If I, I've been using my mom's Netflix account literally <laughs> si- even since I got this. Like, I still use my mom's Netflix account. It technically is my account now. She values it. She just watches Korean dramas. But like, I. I I don't have, I don't, I thought I was being efficient, but it's, it's bad. It is bad. It is. That is really bad. I started it because of Orange is the New Black. I remember Me being too. really sick. Yep. That's literally why I joined Netflix. Yeah. I was like, this show looks sick. Yeah. Here's this thing. I don't have to pay for one. Then eventually I started paying for it because such is life. No, that's what it was. I got single. I had more time. Right. <laughs> And you need entertainment. So I was oh, like, you know what? That's yeah, that's what did it. Let me actually watch Netflix more. We have a guest today, which we do most episodes. Every episode we've done so far, right? Yeah, we get And I'm good. so gassed about this. I'm so excited. Me too. Like I am so so excited! I'm going to turn into a geek just to warn you guys. Mm-hmm. It's an exciting time because we have the director of the Social Dilemma. If you yeah. haven't seen the Social Dilemma on Netflix yet, I really don't know what you're doing because I'm pretty sure everybody has been speaking about it. I've yeah. had so many people come up to me, and been like, "Oh my god, I'm, I, I've tried, I've deleted all my apps. I've, I've, I'm stressed." Like it's all about basically social media and how we're way more addicted than we think we are. But I'm sure Jeff will sort it for me. He'll sort it out. When you go to Google and type in climate change is, you're going to see different results depending on where you live and the particular things that Google knows about your interests. That's not by accident. That's a design technique. What I want people to know is that everything they're doing online is being watched, is being tracked. Every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded. A lot of people think Google's just a search box and Facebook's just a place to see what my friends are doing. What they don't realize is there's entire teams of engineers whose job is to use your psychology against you. Jeff, tell us all about it. What started it? Why have you done this? You kind of ruined my life, but also made it better. <laughs> you two are just awesome. Can I just hang out with you all the time and yes. like listen in on all of your yes. interviews, please? Yes, You're you spectacular. absolutely can. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. Uh, I love both of you. This is awesome. Um, what was the question? I don't even remember. Oh, what, he's, he's <laughs> so, he loves us so much. <laughs> 
What do you want to do? <laughs> he loves yes. the, He's so overwhelmed with joy that he, he's forgotten. Um, the question was, what brought the social dilemma about? What made you do it? Oh, yeah. And also, we tried to look for you and couldn't find you on any social media platforms. Is that on purpose? Um, I, I am actually on a bunch of them, but I haven't used them in like years. I just haven't deleted my accounts, so they don't really... I mean, there's like a post from 2018, maybe, or something like that. Um, uh, yeah, so I had the um, uh, fortune slash, uh, I'm looking at it so differently now, the experience of going to Stanford University. Um, and many of my friends from college went to work at a bunch of the different tech companies coming out of college. So I had friends who went to work at Facebook, at Google, at Twitter, friends who started their own companies. I had friends where they and I were working on web design companies in the mid 2000s or tried to start our own tech companies. And then I ended up leaving that world and ended up in film. Um, and then, you know, many, many years later, everything just sort of came back full circle. And some of my friends from college were starting to talk about a critique of the companies that they worked at. And um, this was 2017, and it was like completely shocking to me. I, I mean, I, I was a heavy, heavy Facebook user, heavy social media user. Google was, you know, totally the search engine that I always, that's the only search engine I knew of. Um, and I started to hear from all these people that there is this really dark side to the technology that was being designed. And that led us down this um, path that uh, blew my mind many, many a time and tried to figure out how do we bring it all into a movie and share it with the world. It's fascinating that you say that because now it kind of makes sense because the whole way through it, I was thinking, because you weren't just getting any people that worked at these companies. You were getting like the person who was there like the first week Instagram was started, like the person who created the Facebook like button, like pie high. So my question the whole way through was, how did you get these people to to talk i mean i'm like was it hard to get them to be that honest on it was, on tape? It, it was i mean it was and it was it was particularly difficult at the beginning um so tristan was one of our main subjects and he was at that point becoming a vocal um, out, outspoken um, advocate for reform within the tech industry and he's I, I knew him at stanford we met briefly in passing um interestingly as a total backstory I had a job at Stanford as an Apple campus rep. I mean, I was totally an Apple geek selling Apple computers on campus. Um, and there are a couple other people in the film, Jeff Seibert and Tristan. The three of us actually all had the same exact job at Stanford. Like we loved technology, loved the computers, loved the capabilities. And we all ended up in these different arenas. But there was this like shared passion of like, what could a computer do for you? The tools, the capabilities. Um, so I think there was always that love for technology. And, um, and we ended up going down different paths. But Tristan was, I, I mean, I saw him very ironically, I saw him post his piece on Anderson Cooper, like 60 Minutes with Anderson Cooper on Facebook. And that was my first introduction to this issue was like seeing this thing on Facebook from somebody that I knew who was a very like pro tech enthusiast saying, wait a second, there's a big problem with what we at Google are making, and what these companies are designing. And that was just like this mind shattering what are you talking about? Like we, all of our friends work at these companies. We've always loved these companies. And it was this um, real surprise to sort of take a step back and look at this, um, this critique that Tristan was, was talking about. And then many others were, were seeing as well. So back to your question. I mean, it was at the beginning, we got Tristan to agree. He was connecting us to some people. I was reaching out to other friends who worked in the industry, other friends who started their own companies, trying to get like background interviews, interviews off the record, anonymous interviews. And it was just like 
going to everybody and then saying, hey, we got these three people so far. And then, all right, now we have five people. Now we look at these 10 people. We've interviewed 10 people, right? And so just building up. And so do you have something you'd like to contribute? And just like as we started getting more and more people, uh, I think there people were starting to realize that they really wanted to take part in some cases. Or in some cases, the people were just very nervous to, to go on the record as well. It took yeah. a lot of people a long time to... Um, to just be willing to go on camera. You mentioned, um, there's a word I can't say that um, Gina mocks me for all the time. And I know what you know what I'm trying to say. Um, go, 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 go. So you mentioned go. <laughs> you mentioned this is so embarrassing because I know how smart a man you are and I'm really letting myself down here. But you mentioned Google. Don't you think it's well, amazing? You, <laughs> I can't say it. Well, you know that, uh, just that as a side note, do you know the actual origin of that word and the spelling of that no, word? tell me, please. So... A Google is a one followed by, I believe it's one million zeros. It's like a million or a billion. I forgot. It's it's an it's actually a word that represents this huge number, but Larry and Sergey spelled it wrong. Like they accidentally spelled it wrong. A Google is a G O O G O L. So I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna search for it right now. So like the entire search engine is based on a mis misconceived word. Oh my god, go dyslexia. Right? That is great. Yeah. It's one followed by one hundred zeros. That's what it is. It's ten to the one hundredth hour. Either way, it's a huge number. But and I it's spelled uh, wrong. Yes, they spelled it wrong. Okay, so that's why yeah. I can't say it. But, but you mentioned it's better it. SEO that way. Yeah. Uh, oh my god we're learning so much um, but don't you find it really interesting we're gonna I'm, I'm really sorry for how many questions I'm gonna throw your way because I'm so intrigued by everything but well, the first one was do you remember Ark Jeeves how did Google yeah. get Ark Jeeves the fuck out of here how yeah how did they do that they got yeah. Ask Jeeves gone and Bing and all them man who how so I loved Ask Jeeves Ask Jeeves was awesome um, but Google built a better search engine and so Really, what happened was there was uh, there was this challenge around how do you get the best information to people, right? And and there were, the original search engines were very hackable. Like if you searched for a particular word, there are ways to hide or embed that word in your website. And so um, the the original search engines just weren't as reliable. So let me just, like an example, like, it, like, all right, microphone. Like if somebody wanted to sell a microphone or had a, a, a website about microphones, um, if you put black text in a black background and it, you wrote the word microphone a thousand times on the website, nobody could see the text, but it would come up higher in the search results because the word microphone showed up more frequently. Um... Right. So that's just an example of like, it wasn't really working super well. So what what um, Larry and Sergey did was they tried to replicate how academia recommends articles. So how many people are referencing this website? That was how the original genesis of the idea. So just like a, you know, an, an academic, uh, uh, you know, somebody might say, oh, I'm referencing this person's paper. And if 100 people reference that one person's paper kind of builds status, that was how the Google search engine was then morphed. It was saying how many people are pointing to this thing and kind of building status in that way. Um, and that actually was was a pretty successful um, search engine, um, and that yielded good results. The problem here 
is when everything started slipping down this very slippery slide of the advertising business model. And just to like geek out a little bit more on Google and their origin. Um, Go ahead. Okay, great, great. I'll just rein me in if you need to. But um, <laughs> so Larry, Larry and Sergey, the two founders of Google, they actually wrote in their PhD thesis, like their seminal piece in college, they wrote in their paper that they did not think that a search engine should be funded through advertising because it would corrupt the incentives of the search engine. So they were like, we're not going to use advertising. Then the dot-com bust happens and they're trying to figure out a way to make money. And then they were like, you know what? Well, let's do that search thing. Maybe that'll pay the bills. And they agree, they then made a change from their previous values and they decided to embrace uh, advertising. And this advertising just has become superhumanly powerful in the last decade. Right? I think this is the, the thing in the last 10, 15 years. The ability, you know, when, when you had a shared computer in the house and your whole family used that same computer, it was yeah. one experience that everybody had. Once we got these smartphones, everybody's carrying around their own customized computer that we can track you individually. And now this whole notion of micro-targeting is just for you and you alone. And all of these companies know your device and they know who's using which device. They know who's using which device paired with which laptop as well. They can figure that out. Um, and, and even if you don't go, let's say you go to a website that has a Facebook like button on it. You don't have to click like on that button. Facebook knows that you've been to that website because it's tracking that. So that's the Facebook cookies that are basically all around the internet. So they're trying to collect as much information about you as possible, right? It is, it is freaky. The amount of data that they have on each and every one of us is crazy. Um, and they're doing this all so that they can advertise to you. Each of you would be getting different advertisements and different recommendations and different, like there's a Truman show for each and every one of us. Now my head is, I'm, I'm stressed. I'm really, <laughs> the really stressed. Oh, yeah. it's, I'm it's, stressed. It's, it's all downhill from here. No? It's like it gets there's worse and worse. Yeah. Okay, so is it true that person. if I left the internet right now, they can still advertise to me, even though I'm not on the internet anymore. They've got so much data about my age, what I look like. <gasps> Possibly. I, the, the specifics of your question, I'd have to think about. Um, even if you're not, uh, even if you don't have a Google account, they, they have, they're tr tracking you and they're tracing you. So they have these ghost accounts, right? So they're, they can figure out who people are, even if, yeah, it's a, like, we know that this person exists. They might not be on our platform right now, but we know that they exist because we can see their pattern and, and let's figure out how to get them to come onto the platform. Ghost right. Account. And this is, that's what Google does. That's what Twitter does. That's what Facebook does. That's what like all of them have this capability. Like this is stuff that they they can do. Here, all right. Let me let me continue to um, mess with the brains a little bit. Um, the amount of data that they're collecting, right? So they they have. I've heard different numbers. Some places I've seen Facebook has twenty nine thousand data points on you. Other places I've seen bigger numbers. So like try to think <laughs> about. 29,000 things that you know about yourself. Like, it'd be really, really hard to... Eat. Right, exactly. Um, but there's this research that came out that said, if you like 300 things on Facebook, right, it'll collect... If you click like on 300 things, that the Facebook algorithm is better able to predict what you like than your significant other. Like, that's how much... It is kind of creepy and kind of crazy, right? 
Let me throw some more. Hold on, one, one more thought because it's crazy. Um, everybody's like, everybody's like, oh, Facebook's listening and uh, the microphone is listening to what that, I'm saying. Gee. And then that's why I saw this ad that popped up because I said this thing. And the reality is, um, well, there's some platforms that are listening, like Google, uh, Google Home and Amazon Echo are, are listening. But yeah, well, close, Facebook, yeah. according to good sources, reliable sources, they're not actually listening. What's actually happening is even crazier and scarier than that. They just have such a good model of you. They have reverse engineered you and they know you so well that they know what you're likely going to be interested in or likely going to be talking about. And they can leverage the big data of their network and say, hey, look, I can predict that, you know, because Gina's talking about this thing and there are 38,000 people just like Gina and that, you know, because Gina is talking about this, it's likely that Tali and other people like Gina might also like this other thing. So let me show this to you and then show it to her as well. And then a bunch of people are now seeing it, right? This is the epitome of a filter bubble. It's like self-reinforcing. It is like we're in one different island of thought that's different than other people. When we all sort of started finding social media, it was harmless. Um, and now it's sort of snowballed into this massive thing that feels like we can't come away from. Now that we have a society that where the impact of social media has essentially taken over our lives. Do you think that we can function well without it? Like if it was completely annihilated? It's a great question. I do think we could. We have for a long time. And I actually think we might function function better without it. Um, And it it would be a world that looks very different. And, And at the same time, I'm actually, I'm optimistic and hopeful for new technology and new social media that's actually designed around how people work, about how humanity works. Like there's a completely different way Mm. social media could exist, right? Right now, these platforms Mm. are built around a business model that has valued growth and it's valued the advertising revenue and it's valued um, a particular approach to how the algorithms work that works really, really well for the business model. They're not asking questions like, how do I deepen somebody's friendships and relationships? How do I provide, you know, opposing points of view? How do I make somebody who like who actually feels better after using social media? Right. Like part of me wants to use a social media platform yeah. and leave feeling educated, informed, refreshed, a deeper connection to my friends and family. Like that's not what these things have been built around. So. I mean, it is, you're asking a a super big and awesome question. I I often make the comparison to climate change. It's like, look, many years ago, a bunch of people dug shit out of the ground and thought, look at how amazing this is. We can move people and we can fly. And only years later, did we realize there are consequences? We got to understand this and we got to see what's going on as a result of these actions. And it's going to be really, really difficult for us to shift off of fossil fuels. Like it's been this debate for, you know, decades now, and it's really, really challenging for us to make that change. I think the same thing applies here. Like the Twitter started off as an art project, right? It, nobody, none of these people expected it to grow to the scale that they did. Nobody expected to have this power. They never had oversight. There's been no regulation. Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg has had one job in his entire life. Like that basically was his job straight out of college, right? Um, and, and, you know, I think the other thing too, I, I feel empathy for them. It's like, imagine you spent 15 years of your life and you're, you're basically your entire adult life trying to build something. And then to have people tell you that, hey, your product is destroying democracy and destroying, right? It's like, that's really hard. And, and I, so I get that and I understand that, but 
at the same time, either they're, they're going to dig their heads in the sand or they're going to make a change. And I think that's the optimistic hope that I have, that these platforms are going to change the business model to align with society's needs and society, how society functions. And that we might see Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, like all of these things could look very, very differently that works for us. Nice. Do you reckon there was a percentage of the world that's kind of like avoided social media? And would you say they're happier? Um, I know a lot of... Um, older people in my life that never got onto it and now they're just like continuing to be like I told you (laughs) so I'm hearing a bunch of that Um, I'm also seeing um, I just find that there are a bunch of people who never got onto it who sort of live off the grid or live in their own way and didn't fall into the pressures of social media and their happiness has never been dependent on the approval the daily approval of other people. And I think that's for me, like when I realized, um, as I started to wean myself off of social media and get myself off the platforms um, and to stop using them, um, I was realizing why was I posting? What was I posting? Why? why validation, did I do, Jeff. Right? I did it for validation in it the is. likes. I mean, it is. <laughs> I honestly, I started to recognize that. And I, I mean, you know, I'm a filmmaker. I go to film festivals. There's a red carpet. I saw myself, Mm -hmm. I witnessed myself go out of my way to take a photo with a celebrity just to post it. And I was realizing afterwards, like, what that was like this completely transactional thing. I had no, like, we both just posed for this photo and then left and there was no human connection whatsoever. And I knew in the back of my mind, this is going to get a hell of a lot of likes. You're going <laughs> to love this one, right? And and so I found yeah. myself doing that for this, like, status. It was all for this status symbol and not based on anything real. And the entire thing is designed around, like, this search for status and approval that isn't really grounded with any human relationships. I mean, I, I had like, I don't know, four or 5,000 friends on Facebook, right? I'm putting Mm. friends in quotes because I didn't know most of them. And most of them, like the vast majority of them, Mm -hmm. in fact, I didn't even know in a, in any real way. And so to be seeking out approval from strangers like that was just not, it's not something that I felt like I wanted or needed. Um, and, and certainly not for, there's a difference between people recognizing, here's my art, here's my work, et cetera, versus, hey, I, you know, I stole a photo with some random celebrity and everybody now loves that thing. This is something that I find really hard, actually. And yeah, Talani, I'm sure you'll agree with this, um, is that, you know, for, for Talani and I in our careers, uh, social media has played like a humongous part. It's not even just for validation. It feels it's like yeah. you have to be present yeah. constantly because it's work, right? And like, um, how do you... I, it, it's always been hard to me to try and like understand how I pull away from that. And still, as you said, like try and find value outside of that when so much I kind of feel of my success has been a lot like down to social media, or at least people knowing who I am through social media. Um, And speaking of success, Mm -hmm. I have a question for you. Do you find it ironic that (laughs) the very thing that the documentary, I guess, criticizes or uh, not even criticizes, let's say like Mm -hmm. um, observes, um, and explores is has has been has partially helped the documentary yeah. success because people are using social media to talk yes. about. As soon as I finished watching it, even during watching it, I went to go tweet about. It. I was like, oh my god, Sasha's on MS Man. I was like, oh shit, I'm tweeting it by on Twitter. I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. But 
Chef wouldn't want this for me. <laughs> I'm better than this, Jeff. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's hilarious. What's your um, opinion on that, Jeff? Uh, I, I tend to lean into the irony. Well, first of all, I, I've stopped using social media myself, so I haven't been pushing it out on, on those platforms. Um, and, you know, I was realizing, I was thinking about this one day. It's like, you don't have to talk about um, the harms of smoking with people who don't smoke. Like, it's the smokers that mm. need to know about okay, the harms Jeff. of smoking. So, so it's like... <laughs> taking it to where where people are using it and i mean i'm i've been blown away by some of the tiktok videos of people like freaking out about the movie and yet just making a tiktok video and like asking for more likes in the tiktok video while it's just like in some cases do you get what we're saying here but um i think part of it is like how do we think critically about these things and the reality is that these platforms yeah. have become a public square for society and this is a conversation we need to have as a society about what do we, how do we want our technology to factor in our lives and what are we willing to let our technology do to us or not? And so in many ways, the conversation does sort of need to happen there. Um, we have created uh, social media accounts for the film that are really focused on being educational resources. And so that's one of the main goals. We're wanting just to, just mm -hmm. to share and promote um, uh, different voices, different ideas, getting these ideas out there so that people can hear about it and see it and think about it and hopefully question their own usage in their own life. I've had a lot of people tell me um, this was my last post. Like they're posting about the movie as their sign-off post. And like... Goodbye, social media. Watch this movie. If you had to choose, which would you mm -hmm. say was like the least bad platform? Um, text messaging. Oh God! <laughs> Is it all that bad? Is it seriously? Jeff, all give us something, Jeff. Give us okay, something. So, I'm begging right. you, man. Each of them has reverse engineered a different vulnerability for us, right? So Instagram is the photographic realm. YouTube is the video realm. Twitter is like the really short form snarky realm that is like decontextualizing everything. Um, Facebook is sort of this blend and the age demographic is shifting, but Facebook, so Facebook is the one where misinformation and conspiracy theories going crazy as is YouTube, right? Now, TikTok has just become like this pure advent, like uh, attention thing um, where we're now seeing misinformation going there as well. Um, it's hard to i don't know what to say which is the worst uh i mean they're they're i think that i would put like facebook youtube and twitter in like the worst category uh it depends on what we're talking about too because because like if you're talking about um democracy and misinformation and conspiracy theory those are the ones that are breaking down a shared sense of truth but then you've got like Instagram and Snapchat yeah. that are affecting teen girls and mental health and body image and like that's a completely different part of the equation being driven by the same business model being driven by the same types of algorithms we're just seeing them show up in different ways through different platforms so like and going back to what we were saying earlier, like I'm a really pro technologist. I love technology. Zoom is awesome. I can see you. We're talking. We paid for this too, right? Somebody paid for this account to be able to talk for an extended period, right? Same thing with like FaceTime. Like FaceTime, you if you bought an iPhone and you have FaceTime, like these are positive, powerful uses of technology where we can see each other. We can have deep conversation. Like there's new, we can have space for nuance, right? Um, but those platforms that we're not paying for in large part um, are the ones where we're seeing most of these problems. That's, that's it's um, a bit of a simplified framework, but I think it is the easiest way to, to think about it. If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. 
How does it feel for you to kind of see how much this docudrama has kind of like yeah. actively changed people's mm-hmm. lifestyles and how they manoeuvre? Because like everyone I've spoken to that's, that's watched it has been like, I can't actually believe. The bit that got me was, you know, the text messages when it was like, let's give them three dots so they've got something to look forward to. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. And why, like, why don't they put the picture when someone's tagged you in a photo? Why the question? of why they yes. don't put it in the notification right. you have to go like into that the app. when they figured out that hack blew my mind of like wait we can we're just fishing right we're like throwing so i um did i tell you about the resurrection algorithms no tell i don't me. think it, yeah okay so so nice. a bunch of these platforms have a thing that they call the resurrection algorithm so if you're a heavy user and you stop using they literally think of you as dead to them and they have to bring you back from the dead back to their platform so they start trying to fish to get you to come back. So when I started to stop, when I stopped mm. using these platforms in the making of the movie, I started getting emails that were like, same thing, like so-and-so tagged you in a photo, so-and-so did this thing, and they're just testing a bunch of stuff. That didn't work, they switched to text messages. So I started getting text messages coming in, and it was like, this family member did this thing, and this person that you work with did this other thing, and 3,000 friends did whatever. And then there was like, this girl that I had a crush on in high school and it was like, so-and-so posted a new photo. And I'm like, like, how dare you? Like, like it felt so invasive. It felt so manipulative. And I was just like, I mean, I could pull up this history of text messages coming in every day, multiple times a day, just fishing to get me to come back and, and feeling how manipulative it was while we were working on the movie. It's like, this is not trying to improve my friendships with these people. It's just trying to get me to come back because once they get me back, I can keep scrolling. There you go. Keep scrolling. Okay. So Gina and I um, went through a whole, like Twitter was a devil. Like, you know, we don't trust it. (laughs) This is, so we thought we did the right thing, but we deleted the, the apps off our phones. Yeah. Yeah. However, yes, we did. We yes, do still we go did. on the dot com quite often. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we do yeah. be using Twitter. Where yeah. are we <laughs> just doing the same shit, or are we doing anything so, better? I mean, it really depends on how. So there are a bunch the of different aspects of this conversation, right? Like in terms of your own mental health and your own mental clarity, I think it's good to not have them on your phone. You don't want to yeah. have the availability all the time, right? Yeah. If I was. I mean, the number of times yeah. when I was really heavily using, when I would be driving my car in a red light, and I've got 15 seconds. Let me go check. I've done right? that. Like, right? I've done that. So, I'll be honest, I've done oh that. Right? God, I've done yeah, that I've done yeah. that. So, um, so I, I definitely recommend like get them off your phone. That's a that's a great starting point. Um, I have these plugins uh, on my on my computer that are called the Newsfeed Eradicator. So it applies to Facebook and Twitter. So if I go to Facebook.com, literally nothing shows up. There's like no feed. There's like a, a spiritual quote that they put there or something like that. And you still have the, <laughs> the messages on the top if you needed to or if you needed to find a particular event. You have like the sidebars, but there's nothing to scroll through. Same thing for Twitter. So um, that's kind of how I look at it. It's like I don't want to ever do anything where I see an advertisement. I don't want to be part of their financial model. I don't want to be helping them make more money. And my, my mini protest there is to never engage with the feed. And so there's nothing to draw me in. But mm-hmm. if, if a friend of mine from high school sends me a message via Facebook, because that's the only way I, I know, uh, the only info I have for them, I can still have that message. Then usually I just like switch it over to Signal or mm. something else and like have the conversation elsewhere. Okay, so I hear you. I really do. But all of this year, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> How does this work for social media managers, like people that get paid for right. this, and influencers? Because right. I don't, yeah. I'm not, I'm not opposed to a hashtag ad. I fully recognize that there are a lot of people whose livelihoods depend on social media now, right? So if your livelihood depends on it, by all means, like that's an important thing and necessary for your financial stability. And like, we're not asking that person to delete their accounts. But I think the the real question is like, if you can, if you do, you really need them or not? Um, and to pose those questions to yourself, it, it's really challenging as we've created out this entire industry and infrastructure around attention, that the entire internet is this free thing that's optimizing for attention. So taking a, a step back from the social media companies, this is the entire internet structure. So all websites that have ad banners and trying to like, this is why we have um, clickbaity headlines. This is why like the whole desire to get people to come to a site for eyeballs has morphed the way we value all of this. By the way, this is the same thing that has morphed um, a lot of news. Certainly in the United States, our news networks are advertising based. And so the in the US, like you have this incentive to bring more and more people into your um, to your news platform so that more and more advertisers want to come because you have bigger eyeballs. Right? That's not how my understanding at least is not how the BBC works in terms of like this is government funded and it's not Right. But but the quality of journalism, I think, is probably better than what we're doing with MSNBC and Fox. And I don't I don't know what you guys are hearing every day over there. But um, right there, there are big questions around. We've built all of our news institutions are valuing the number of eyeballs as a primary metric. They're not valuing how trustworthy are we as an organization? How do people think about our coverage? Are they right? There, there are different values we could be embedding into these platforms, but they're they are harder to count and measure, which is why we tend not to do them. We lean into things like the number of clicks, the number of times somebody watched something. No, well, we're I there. There's a guy, Tim Berners Lee, who was one of the um, he's considered one of the inventors of the internet. Um, and he is trying to build a different version of the internet right now, like a complete ground up rewrite. But this is like a really, it's, we've got this huge infrastructure. How do you flip the whole internet into something else? Like that's extremely challenging. Um, but there are people who are asking that question and trying to pose a question around like, what could that look like? When we, when we talk about social media and like being a user, it really, like I even mm-hmm. find the word user mm-hmm. so much more chilling now because like, you know, in the documentary you talk about like it being re- reminiscent of mm-hmm. uh, the slot machines, like it being mm-hmm. addictive and all. There are just loads of different facts that are scattered around the documentary that are incredibly shocking. Um, and I just want to know if you seem incredibly clued up, so maybe there isn't an answer to this, but like of all of the things that you learned and uncovered, what was the the thing that made you think like, oh my God, like really hit home how like far it has gone. Industrial capitalism figured out how to turn nature into a raw resource for extraction, right? So like the fossil fuel industry just like turned planet Earth into something that we can mine and make money off of. These tech platforms, these surveillance capitalists Mm -hmm. figured out how to turn human nature into a raw resource for extraction that our lives, our human experiences, those are the things that these companies are mining and extracting from us all to build a better model about us so that they can sell us more shit. 
And they don't like to think of themselves that way, but that's the business model that they're operating. Like their goal is to collect as much information about you and reverse engineer you as best as possible so they can better predict you so that they can better put an ad in front of you that's quote unquote relevant to you. Like I heard this concept and I was like, fuck, this is like, this is game over humanity. Like we are, we're living in the matrix. Like we are literally the people in the pods in the matrix being extracted for this business model that is turning, look, we don't pay for these things, right? You haven't paid for Twitter or Facebook or any of these things, yet they're worth hundreds of billions of dollars. It's the richest industry in the history of money. How are they making so much freaking money? They have figured out how to turn us and our lives into their revenue. Our time is their money, and they're really, really good at extracting it from us. Like, that framework just scared the hell out of me. Like, like it was, we are in this era where we are living in the matrix, and we don't even realize it. Makes complete sense. Wow. So when you're trying to relax and not think about all these things, what do you watch? (laughs) (laughs) Because this is a lot. Yeah, let's take a break. I, How do you chill um, out, Joe? I, I live in Colorado right now, so I'm glad that uh, I, my family is from New York. I was born and raised in New York, and I live in Colorado, and I've avoided being based in New York or L.A. Um, and really how I chill out mostly is going out into nature and getting oh, outside. God. I mean, like through this window, there are trees, and there's, there's all sorts of um, wilderness. And that, for me, has been a place of connection and solace and just like grounding. Um, I've been watching a bunch of the, uh, the Academy, um, so films that are in uh, consideration for the Academy Awards for the documentaries. So I've been trying to watch a bunch of documentaries. Um, but I, I mean, honestly, a bunch, uh, the documentary community, we're all masochists. We all are looking for like, what's the big issue that everybody needs to be aware of. So that's, that's equally depressing sometimes is, uh, is that world. No, we Um, appreciate you guys. Thank you. Yeah, no, the, the, yeah, I, I, mean, I yeah. love the doc community. The doc filmmaker community is so passionate. They're so um, eager to make make a change, to show the world what's happening, um, and to do it in more and more creative and beautiful and powerful ways. Yeah. So speaking of documentaries, I was watching one the other day on Netflix. It's quite dark. Have you seen it? The American Murder, The Family Next Door. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And because... Documentaries mm-hmm. are getting made in a new way because with that one, it's yeah. just her Facebook videos and wow. her texts. That's what the whole documentary is and like police yeah. cameras. Wow. So do you know normally you get the bit where you get the like, where someone's talking to camera and being like, but you don't get any of that. So this feels a lot more real because you're just seeing mm. what she posts on Facebook and her text messages. It's really freaky. That's interesting. Man, I have to watch it. Okay. Yeah, it's really interesting how it. it's made. Should we have a little pause to, to listen to the trailer? My name's Nicole, and I'm calling because I'm concerned about a friend of mine. I dropped her off at her house at 2 in the morning last night, and I haven't been able to get a hold of her this morning. I've gone to her house, and her car's there. She won't answer phone calls. She won't answer text messages. What's her name? Shanann Watts. Hey, guys. My name is Shanann. I just want you to know a little bit of my story. I went through one of the darkest times of my life, and then I met Chris. And he's the best thing that has ever happened to me. So how you doing? How's it going? There was no note or anything. I don't know what to do right now. 
the fact that sh- this woman, the person who is featured in this documentary, no, is no longer with us, and we have, we, and yet we still have, we're still able to make this concrete picture right. of her, just through her social media yeah. Um, yeah. presence and her messages alone. I yeah. think it's terror is like it is fascinating. I, w- I would add um, it's it's um it's a picture of the projection, right? It's not actually. It's like what we want to put out into the world. I mean, the difference between what we are trying to put out into the world versus who we actually are. Um, I, I think there's a big gap there. And so, I don't know, I'm curious to see that film and how they, you know, were they were they pairing that with interviews with the family and the people who were close to her and could mm. reflect on. So her text was more a true reflection of her fears and what she was scared of and what was happening. Whereas her Facebook was like, look at my beautiful family. Oh my God, I love my husband so much. And it was a lot dark, like, but her reality was a lot darker than what she was putting on Facebook, of course, because no one's going to put, my husband's not touching me in bed on Facebook. It feels a bit different. What else are you guys watching? So I started watching Shit Shit. Give me more of a list. Um, This this will help you relax. This is not like, it's very chilled out you don't want to think of anything mm-hmm. you just oh my god he's getting jeff is getting a pen out yeah. thank you yeah you're jeff, so, you're kind. so kind jeff. i want to i want to i want to know what you guys are watching friend, yeah so yeah shit's Creek is really good what else have i been watching i'm actually looking at my netflix now i i do have a recommendation and it is coming out it would it will come out today for ghost plan um and it's called it's called the 40 year old version uh, supposed to, it's, I guess it's a play on Virgin, but I've Virgin. Heard of it. Have either of you heard yeah. of this or seen the trailer around or anything? Um, it's 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 really interesting. Um, so uh, I was part of this awesome uh, group of people at Sundance a couple of years ago talking about projects that they wanted to make, and uh, the director was there, and I was just so stoked to see that fully come to life from like years ago. Um, so I've been sort of like listening in on the updates and hearing how the project's been going. Um, but super, super excited for that team. And I'm, I'm itching. Okay, I'm, if it's coming out soon, I'll definitely take a look at it. Definitely take a look. It cu- it's coming out soon. Um, and yeah, just to give you a, give you a quick overview, it, the premise, I'm going to do my best. You know, T, I'm not the best at this. I'm going to do my best now. All right. I'm going to do it quickly. I'm going to do it quickly. See how she's not yeah. encouraging me though, Jeff. You've seen it. You've seen I'm it. rooting for you. Nice. I'm completely rooting for you. Yeah. It is about a playwright who in her thirties was on like the 30 under 30 list was like lauded for being an incredible playwright and has just turned 40 and has lost that success. And so in a bid to try and reclaim her fame, decides to become okay. a rapper. Any more thought on what kind of play we want to write? Remember, if you put in nothing, it'll be nothing. Like your career? Remember this face? She was one of Spotlight Magazine's 30 under 30 playwrights to watch. We watched, but where'd she go? How are you? Archie tells me you're teaching. How's somebody who ain't had no real hit gonna tell me how to write a play? She ain't no Tyler Perry. I did win a 30 under 30 award. Yes, it was quite a couple of years ago. What do I gotta do? Write a slave musical, an all-white play? This some bullshit. Yeah, so she's in it, but it's not it's not it's not a real life story. But it's really, really good. It's like it's, it's, I would say give it give it a try. Amazing. Give it a try. And um, yes. I actually love that we get to see things that I mean like Sundance. So I feel like Sundance feels like this other world that if you watch 
telly, you don't really get to experience all this fun documentaries and it feels like an elite world. And then them yeah. coming on Netflix feels really like, oh, thank it you that like, we get to kind of experience this sort yeah. of art as well, which is really nice. Yeah, it is cool. I mean, um, mm-hmm. uh, Sundance has, <laughs> has become in many ways like this... Um, marketplace for independent films mm. right so people bring their films to sundance and premiere them and then netflix is there and amazon's there and apple's there and and people are like oh let me it's basically like a shopping spree for a bunch of those companies to find the world. films that they that they like and um uh, but fortunately that's where a lot of these films can find a great home and a distributor mm-hmm. and get seen um because in, sundance is yeah. and this is one of the things i've always loved about it it is this like this representation of independent cinema yeah. Right, so our film, we, we premiered at Sundance. We did not have money from any big company. Netflix didn't pay to make the movie. We made the movie independently. Um, mm-hmm. I raised the money independently. And we wanted to say what we wanted to say without any company or team oh, yeah, trying to like oversee it. And so that felt really, really good for us as we were exploring these ideas and these issues. And then Netflix pick, did pick it up at out of Sundance. Um, so, and it's been an amazing home for the film. And, and people are just seeing it all around the world. Your integrity, 10 out of 10 would recommend. You are That's brilliant. The, Thank yes. you. Yay. 10 out of 10 would recommend <laughs> another chat with you. Thank you both. You this was phenomenal. Jeff, that was honestly. amazing. So Social Dilemma is on Netflix now. If you haven't seen it, please watch it and then come back and listen to this again after seeing it because I think it will like unearth so much more after you see it. And share on, a, on social media yes. despite what Jeff says. <laughs> Talk about us on social media and tweet us. Talk about it in real life. Talk about it with your friends. Talk about it with your family. Talk about it with your COVID pod. You might be the second smartest I know, man I know, second only to Akala. So this has been amazing to meet you. Thank you. Oh my goodness, awesome. Thank you both so much. This was fantastic. Let's wrap up and see where people can find us. So if you want to find uh, the podcast, please first and foremost where you can like review share speak about us in real life um but you can find netflix at netflix uk on twitter and instagram uh, at netflix on tiktok i'm so sorry to do this jeff don't look it doesn't feel right after jeff said all that stuff um it's really embarrassing i feel really gross but i'm still going to continue because you know no! i still need to get paid uh, and <laughs> if you want to find me no! on social media just don't ignore tolly's cries it's <laughs> It's at SmileGina, G-E-N-A on all platforms. And you can find Tolly at, at Tolly underscore T. No, no, you cannot find me anywhere. No way. <laughs>